Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today, I am very excited to share a conversation with you that I had with a musician I have been a bit obsessed with for a few years now. He goes by Borns. And I first heard of Borns back in 2015. I was watching TV and this commercial for Hulu, the streaming service. This commercial came on, and then I heard this song that almost made me jump off the couch. That song is called Electric Love, and it really put Borns on the map. So a few weeks ago, my colleague Anjali and I, we went to a studio. We drove to this quiet, almost suburban neighborhood a bit north of downtown L.A. We pulled up to this cute little white house with a big old green yard. And Tommy English, Borns' producer, he was there to greet us. Hi. How are you? Hey, buddy. Also, his very large dog, Blueberry, was there. That's a big dog. He's, he's half Great Dane. <laughs> nice. I fought the urge to frolic with Blueberry. And then we walked a bit further back. Um, yeah, one of the studios out back. Awesome, thank you. We were there to meet Borns. This song you're hearing now, it's called Faded Heart, and it's from Bourne's latest album, Blue Madonna. Rolling Stone called Bourne's, quote, glam with the natural sparkle of West Coast sunshine. So since Bourne's first kind of hit it big in 2015, he has toured with... The Lumineers and Mumford and & Sons and Lana Del Rey. And she is actually on his new record. So in spite of his ascendant career and that really big, shiny falsetto voice, Bournes is just 26 and he is still very shy and very reserved. But he makes for a wonderful conversation once he opens up. All right, we cover a lot of Bournes' story, how he made it from small-town Michigan to performing at Coachella twice. Okay. Enjoy. Describe this space then, for those that can't see it. Yeah. So this studio is mm. kind of a back house slash garage, or what? Uh, yeah, it's like a guest house, right? Okay. Um, I don't know. How would you describe this, Tommy? It's like a... Pleasure Dome? Yeah. Pleasure Dome, Pleasure you Dome. Okay. It's like... Tall windows. Yeah, half greenhouse, half musical instrument land. There's a lot of guitars over there. There's a drum set. There's a lot of uh, knobs and dials over there. There's a slumbering blueberry somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so first things first, give me your full name. Full name? Yeah. Like full, full name? Yeah. Garrett Clark Bournes? Oh, man. I haven't said that in a long time. Does it feel weird to say it? Yeah, sort of, actually. Why? I don't think I've ever said that on a microphone. <laughs> Garrett Clark Bournes. Yep. Because I can just hear myself as a, a little kid. Like, um, I remember, like, my parents, like, videotaping me and saying, like, what's your name? And I'm like, Garrett Clark Bournes. <laughs> like, squeaky little dude. It's a solid name. Hey, thanks. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah. So you're from Michigan. Yeah. Where in Michigan? Uh the the um the west side of the lower peninsula and like right on lake michigan okay so, yeah okay. 
how did you get into music as a kid? Because before music, you were a, you were doing magic, right? Um, not directly before okay. music, but there was some magic stirred in there. Um, you were a young magician. Yeah, I was a, I was a young, um, yeah, little sleight of hand um, illusionist. Uh, but not just like in your backyard, like doing magic shows. And yeah, stuff, right? yeah, I, I had like a little, um, I had like my own gig and I was like doing like kids' birthday parties and like just to make money and... At what age? Um, I think I was like 10. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, my dad is like a branding... Um, an advertising agency and he taught me a lot about you know branding yourself and like being an entrepreneur and like having your logo and how to really put together like your thing to sell yourself with uh, so it was really fun it was really like educational as, as a kid I think yeah yeah so yeah. and how did you move from there into music from that to music um, I mean music was I think always sort of happening and present when I was young and well that kind of turned into film actually because really was, yeah because I was I was working on like my film portfolio because I really want to go to film school uh-huh. and then um ended up like interning with like a filmmaker that ended up being my manager and then I was like doing more of the music thing yeah and then I went out to New York for a little bit where in New York were you uh I I stayed in like Harlem uh-huh. um and yeah it was like a really cool like first experience away from home this completely on my own you know yeah and then i came out to la for like a kind of a change of scenery and and then just never left i still feel like i'm on vacation really (laughs) yeah it's wild yeah i read that when you got here the place you were staying in you called it a tree house yeah describe where you were tree house yeah um it was like really kind of secluded in this canyon like which canyon kind of the eagle rock area canyon i uh had like outdoor kitchen made a lot of fruit smoothies huh. and the canopy you know sunlight coming through it was really it was really a beautiful environment to like write an album yeah so then you come here you like probably thousands of other people are trying to make it walk me through your path of like um living in the treehouse to being yeah here now i mean i think i just i wanted to naturally progress and and like and feel good about what i was making and collaborate with people that i that I was inspired by and I found new management out here and that completely changed the game for me because they actually knew what was going on in the music industry. Yeah. <laughs> I had a very green manager beforehand. From and, Michigan? Yeah. And and we were kind of learning together, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I remember very clearly recording the first album in here. In here? Yeah, and how like it was arranged. And um, I felt like, I remember there was just like, it felt like it was like always sunny. There was like so much sun like coming in through the windows, which is really nice because like a lot of times when you're making albums, you're kind of in a cave. Yeah. So like walk me through one of those days writing the album. What's the the flow of a day? I mean, it's kind of like a lot of like making tea and like breaking down the songs on acoustic and trying to like figure out lyrics and stuff. It's always funny finding like earlier versions of the songs that you wrote later you know because really? like well that was the original lyric you know it's it's normally something really silly when you're writing the lyrics do you start with the melody or you start with the lyrics normally it's kind of like a melody with a lyric that doesn't really make too much sense sometimes you know and then you're like what is this trying to say <laughs> and then it's like fitting different words in there you know it's like it's always kind of a puzzle but which song on this new album was the hardest puzzle hardest puzzle mm. I feel like man was kind of a puzzle for a bit. 
Why? Well, we were trying to like figure out this chorus to man, and like the piano is a kind of this wild staccato kind of 90s club. Yeah. Those are some funky chords. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, how long did it take to get that? It was just a lot of just pounding on the piano and just, like, they're kind of funky on their own. So, yeah, I think it was trying to find that pleasurable melody over top that kind of disguises them. Can you recall what the first melody sounded like? Like, the first thought you had for the song and how different um, it was from this yeah kind of um Tommy do you remember the original chorus that we wrote for this that was like it was like I want to oh yeah it was like uh could you pull it up yeah okay yeah yeah oh uh, I could no no actually maybe it was those chords mm, I could die and love there was a different change there love in the night above And then this part stayed the same the What is happening is true I could die with you Yeah yeah that's awesome Yeah So let's talk about the big single off your new album, this song with Lana Del Rey. It's called God Save Our Young Blood. Damn, look at the sunrise, low and finished light, made it in record time. I read that when she heard the demo you sent her, she already kind of felt like she heard herself on there. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I was like, trying to do some like sensual backups <laughs> channeling her yeah she's like am I already on this I think she's joking but yeah I was trying to do my Lana impression yeah once you bring someone like Lana in are you saying sing this part or is she part of the process too and she can change stuff around as she wants like did she change anything I think she just kind of was doubling a lot of my vocals baptized in blue skies Um, I think we're trying to like write songs, you know, in the fashion of like using real instruments mm-hmm. and like good amount of chords smashed together. Um, well, more chords than what you hear in the usual top 40 pop songs. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think we like to take the songs definitely have like as kind of a journey you have to go on. Oh, yeah. Like even in God Save Our Young Blood. Yeah. Before the chorus comes in. Climbed up the tree life, kicked out of paradise, living good, living like there's there's more movement I feel like yeah. structurally than in a lot of pop music yeah 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 it kind of like tricks your ear a little bit I like to keep people's ears alert like the drums drop out I mean it literally is going up a half step you just feel this elevation 
I just loved the the rawness of just being like, oh, and now you're there. <laughs> Lyrically with that song, I've listened to, I mean, like, the lyrics, I'm always like, what does that mean? What are you trying to God say? save our young blood. What does that mean? I, I just had, like, lyrics sort of written down and just, like, imagery from uh, the Garden of Eden. Biblical Garden of Eden. Yeah. God save the ocean, God save the breeze, save the words from my lips, save the birds, save the bees. There's, like, an epic poem called Paradise Lost. Yeah. It has some very beautiful language in it. And I was just kind of alluding to these very old texts, but you're living in this present moment and having this experience with someone. An experience with someone is in like Adam and Eve? No, like um, literally just like driving in a convertible at um, like four or five in the morning and seeing the sunrise over the ocean. All right, time for a break. In a minute, we'll talk about how a guy with this big of a voice still gets nervous when he has to use it on stage. All right, BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from AT&T on behalf of Audience Network and their new original series, Condor, based on the cult classic film, Three Days of the Condor. This modern-day spy thriller stars Max Irons, Mira Sorvino, and Brendan Fraser. Condor premieres Wednesday, June 6th at 10 p.m. on Audience. Watch it on DirecTV Channel 239 and streaming on DirecTV Now. Hey, it's Guy Raz, host of the TED Radio Hour. And on this week's episode, we explore what it takes to inspire people to action and to start a movement, and why some movements endure and others don't. You can find the TED Radio Hour on NPR One or wherever you listen to podcasts. So I saw you at the Anthem in D.C. a uh-huh. few months ago, right before uh-huh. I moved back to L.A. And you were like owning the stage, really, and and like it's a big stage, a big space, and you and you were great. But then I read somewhere. Did you read the student review? <laughs> no. Why? Why? Was there a bad review? <clears throat> yeah. Someone. Someone wasn't very. Uh very pleased about my performance who was it i don't know but um it was uh, we don't have to go into it no i would it love just, to go into it, it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um no it's just like uh someone talking about how i um <laughs> that i was just very not engaging to the audience i mean and, from um, what i could see the audience was liking it <laughs> I, that's what i thought now it was one of the biggest shows of that tour and um at the anthem yeah. Which fits what, like a few thousand people? It was, well, I think it fits like 6,000. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think we we got up to like four or something like that. That's good. And um, yeah, and it was just like, it was a beautiful room and it feels really big. And I just remember being out there and being like, wow, this is a really big room. And, um, and kind of just in my head, I think, most of the show. So I, in a way, I kind of agreed with her. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. I mean, maybe I was maybe I wasn't engaging. I guess that really, you know, came off because I I felt like I was <laughs> very introverted for that show. But you know, what do you do with critique like that? Um. Well, you know, 
take it for what it is, I guess. In some interview, you said, quote, half the time when I first run on stage, I can't look directly at the audience just because of self-consciousness. Sometimes you feel like the man and sometimes you don't. But sometimes that self-conscious energy is good for the show. It draws people in more. That's so like, what is your, like, how do you get in the right headspace for shows? It seems like you're saying that you're kind of an introvert. Mm, well, it depends. I've kind of found that there is no right headspace for a show. What do you mean? There's Well, because there's always so many variables and like, there's, there's times that I did not want to perform, like, and go out on stage, but, um... And those ended up being, I feel like, my best shows. Really? Because I wasn't, maybe I wasn't, like, trying to sing perfectly, Mm -hmm. you know? And there was more of an emotion that carried my voice than technicalities. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've found that I've surprised myself with, sometimes when everything is perfect and set up and your outfit's great, (laughs) and, like, you, you have the perfect amount of tequila and, like, the audience is ready for you. Maybe sometimes that can be a lot of pressure. Then you're like, oh, no, everything's too perfect. Yeah. I wish I could drink tequila before work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, I'm still, it's always, you know, it's always different. So. Worst show? Can Wor- you think of one? Worst show? I want to ask you, worse than the best. Um, I played, I played, uh, I played guitar at a, um, uh, like this comedy night. Here in LA? Yeah, yeah. It was like the first time I ever like played out. I was playing During some, the comedy show? I was playing some songs. I was, it was an inter, It was intermission. And everyone's getting their standing up, getting that their, is a horrible time to have get, to play music. Getting their punch, a comedy yeah. show intermission. And I was like, "Wow, this is what else L.A. is like, huh?" Damn. Um, How did it go? Went great, you know. Um, <laughs> just played my set of three songs. Which three songs? Can you recall? Um, one was a B.G. song, "Fanny Be Tender." Did you get any applause? I think from my homies. So best show. Best show, I mean. Coachella was really fun. You've done it twice now, huh? Yeah, both times it was really amazing. What makes it amazing? I think just the just the energy, just having that many people out there in the desert singing along with you. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's there to have a good time, so I like festivals. Nice. What is the yeah. song of yours that people sing along to the most? I mean, I have a guess, but like what song gets the crowd the most? Um, well, Electric Love is kind of made to be a sing along. Yeah. With Electric Love, which I see your platinum plaque for it over here on the wall. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I remember first hearing that song. Was It was an advertisement for, was it Hulu? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone artistic like yourself, where discovery of who you are happens through a very corporate entity like Hulu. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have qualms about that or wonder about if that's the way you want to be discovered? Mm. Well, I think it's just a very different time for music. Explain. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. Um, well, there's always like the feeling of your song floating around somewhere. And that used to be just the radio, but now you can, you know. Everywhere. Yeah, you can have it on social media. And I like being a subliminal song caught into someone's head. terms of like your songs appearing in spaces and places was that the biggest feature mentioned 
notice of yours of a song of yours or, or like have there been other good places uh, um there's been a few southwest use it um, southwest airlines yeah yeah southwest airlines um apple okay yeah <laughs> i mean it's so interesting because like in so many ways you are an indie artist in the typical sense of the world like you came from a small town came to la tried to make it you're doing it but like when you're on hulu when you're on southwest does it kind of change the nature of an indie musician? Um, I guess I just never really fully understood what indie means. Well, it's a loaded word for sure. Well, because, yeah, I feel like it kind of has turned from doing it yourself to just sounding like you did it yourself. Uh. It, it kind of like, you know, it's it's turned into kind of a, just a style. Yeah, it's um, like hipster. It's a word that everyone uses, but no one can really yeah. accurately define. But also, I mean, everyone is kind of DIY, like, kind of indie like everyone has their instagram account like everything is so close to the person that's making it now or at least it appears to be yeah um that uh that i think everybody kind of has a little bit of an indie spin but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, guess, I mean so i guess the better question for me to ask then is like what words would you use to describe your music Ooh. Man, um, Tommy, you got any words here? <laughs> I mean, to me, like the the difference, like kind of what you're talking about too. I think like the difference in the type of artist you are is you do whatever you want, and these opportunities kind of come to you just based on what we do. Whereas, you know, there's other artists perhaps that write hoping to get a commercial sync or write specifically to get on radio, and it's mm-hmm. it's a decision you have to make. Whereas these things just kind of happen to you you know you, you're just trying to make do your own thing and then yeah. people come knocking which is probably that probably feels a little better no it's it's freeing yeah it's it's at the end of the day we're making music that we're both inspired by so yeah you know yeah, yeah. all right one more break right here when we come back we'll get to some of the meaning behind born's lyrics brb <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Bloom with three O's. Is your 401k on pace? Go to bloom401k.com slash NPR for a smarter, simpler way to grow your 401k. Bloom does all the work for you so you can relax, then retire. See how your 401k stacks up in minutes. Enter your employer-held 401k login info at bloom401k.com and get a free analysis. Use code NPR to get one month managed free. There's nothing like a movie theater on a hot day. And there's nothing like a good show you can binge watch with a cold glass of lemonade. Summer is the perfect time to find your next favorite thing, and Pop Culture Happy Hour is here to help. Find us on the NPR One app or wherever you get podcasts. So a lot of the lyrics on the most recent album, it's either talking about the greatest romance ever or like the worst breakup ever. And I can't tell, like there's lyrics about a love interest and it feels like by the end of the album that things have fallen apart. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Are you singing about one relationship, multiple things, an idea of a relationship? Because, like, a lot of these songs are love songs. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the theme of love. And some of the things that I have, like, relationships with aren't even necessarily, like, it's not, it's not even just, like, love relationships. Like, some of it is just, like, the relationship between you and a time in your life, mm. you know? 
or just like you and the time period that you live in. Like there's one song called Bye Bye Darling that's kind of coming to terms with saying goodbye to things that might seem old fashioned because we've progressed so much, you know, technologically and, and even the way that we interact. so normal to meet someone on a device yeah. you know, virtually before you meet them you almost think you have to meet someone on the internet to like screen their Instagram before oh, you meet yeah. them you know it's well, like, like the routine where you like match or whatever then you gotta find a way to google them and get their last name <laughs> and see what their deal it's is crazy. and find the LinkedIn find yeah, the Facebook yeah. find, it's, yeah, it's, but you know there's something very beautiful and simple about just meeting a stranger Also, like, you must get tired of all the queen comparisons. Oh, I mean, not really. I don't really get queen really? very often, yeah. It's, it was giving me a little... Yeah? Frame. There's oh, some no. framework. I mean, for sure. Just, like, piano ballad with those... Yeah. With enough um, dominant yeah. seven chords. Who's your biggest vocal influence? Uh, vocally, yeah. there's definitely like Colin Blundstone from the Zombies. Uh-huh. It's a big influence. I really love like early Elton John voice. Yeah. And uh, I mean Bowie. It's it's always interesting hearing these you know these singers with really long careers and how their voices changed over time. You know. Yeah. And like they adapt little things in their voice yeah. for certain records and like it's just. I think Bowie, like, he, he transformed his voice into different characters. And, I mean, Prince did that, too. He had mm -hmm. so many characters in his voice. Yeah. It's really inspiring. Do you feel your voice changing? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always, I think it's constantly changing. Yeah. Ever since I've recorded my voice onto something, I've been constant. It's just changed over time. And I think just with all the shows that I've played and everything, I've been able to sing longer and, like, has more stamina now. Oh, really? But, yeah. Is it becoming... Deeper, higher, lower. I mean, like, I don't want you to lose the falsetto. Um, it's beautiful. No, I mean, like, I think the falsetto is always going to be there. As long as I keep using it. Yeah. All right, that was Borns. If you need more of his music, he'll be on tour this fall. You could catch him in your hometown. Thanks to Bournes and his producer, Tommy, for hanging out with me and Anjali a few weeks ago. The two of them were so gracious, even when we stuck around the studio for like two hours. So I figured to go out of this interview, we could play a little bit of Bournes at his piano at the end of our interview in that backyard studio. He hopped on the keys and just started singing the song Supernatural. 
as we're about to go. I'm Sam Sanders. We're back in your feeds Friday. Talk soon.